It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, September 8th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up, controversy strikes over pickleball, of all things. The California report investigates the charge against the paddle sport, which has exploded in popularity over the past several years. Then, we've got your local news and weekend weather forecast. And by now, we've heard the horror stories caused by unseasonable weather at this year's Burning Man. Well, in tonight's newscast, KVMR's Felton Pruitt gets a first-hand account of this year's week-long festival. Bay Area musician Susie Davis shares her perspective as a veteran burner up ahead. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. The Orange Unified School District in Orange County has become the sixth in the state to require that parents be notified when their child identifies as transgender. The unanimous vote came late last night following hours of public comment. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes. This comes a day after Rockland Unified in Placer County passed a similar measure, and after a judge this week halted Chino Valley Unified in San Bernardino County from enforcing its own parent notification policy. Now let's turn to the world of electric vehicles. California is set to scale back its electric car rebate program to focus more on low-income car buyers. CalMatters environment reporter Alejandro Lasso explains. California's current EV rebate program will end when it runs out of money this year. Then the state has chosen to only offer subsidies to lower-income car buyers. Income restrictions to qualify for the rebates are going to get a lot stricter, cutting off some middle- and high-income buyers. The program has given out more than a billion dollars worth of rebates in the last decade. Now the state wants to focus entirely on giving money to people who are the least likely to afford electric cars. CalMatters' own reporting has shown big gaps in EV ownership. We analyze zip codes with the highest and lowest EV ownership rates, and communities with mostly white and Asian high-income residents had the highest concentrations of these cars. The state plans to ban new sales of gas-powered cars by 2035, and this mandate will only work if electric vehicles are affordable to everyone. That's CalMatters' Alejandro Lasso. Pickleball is the fastest-growing sport in America, And according to some neighbors, it's also one of the loudest. Homeowners in the San Diego region and across the country are increasingly taking legal action to resolve pickleball noise disputes. KPBS's Scott Rod has this story. Hi, nice to meet you. Jay Glazal moved into her Carlsbad home about six years ago. She was drawn to the Seacliff-gated community for its tranquility. And then... Two years ago, (laughs) they started pickleball. Oh my God, it changed my life overnight. Pickleball, it's a game similar to tennis that's played with paddles and a hard plastic ball. The community's tennis slash pickleball court is about 60 feet from Glazal's bedroom window. No one's on the court this afternoon, but she reenacts the sound for me. Pop, 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 pop. You know, and it can be up to eight hours a day seven days a week. She says the noise pierces through her double-paned windows. She works from home in the evenings and tries to sleep during the day. But the pop-popping often keeps her awake. She says it's even started affecting her health. I would get these splitting headaches. um, 
And then my blood pressure started going up, and this was the only consistent irritation in my life. Glazal recently filed a lawsuit against the Seacliff Homeowners Association. She wants pickleball banned from the community tennis courts and is seeking $300,000 in damages. A representative for the Homeowners Association declined an interview request. This lawsuit isn't a one-off spat. As more and more players pick up paddles, clashes over pickleball noise are happening up and down California and around the country. Our firm has handled upwards of 25 separate cases. Nicholas Kaplan is a partner at the real estate law firm Lubin, Pham & Kaplan and represents Glazal in her lawsuit. From Sacramento down to Chula Vista, Orange County, Los Angeles County, San Francisco County, I could go on and on. Some of his clients have taken on homeowners associations, while others have challenged cities and counties that allow pickleball in public parks near homes. Kaplan says while some cases go to court, most are settled through mediation and often result in an outright ban on pickleball in a specific location. I have nothing against the sport. But what I do believe is that it shouldn't infringe on somebody else's rights. Since many of these disputes arise when a nearby tennis court is converted into a pickleball court, many people ask, is the sound that much different between the two sports? Yeah, quite a bit different. Lance Willis is the principal acoustical engineer at Spendarian and Willis Acoustics and Noise Control. The Tucson-based firm has handled roughly 80 pickleball noise consultations around the country since 2010 including ones tied to lawsuits. He says with tennis... A strung racket does not radiate sound very efficiently. And a tennis ball is soft. It's, uh, it has a rubber outside. You just don't get as much sound. With pickleball, where rapid-fire points are exchanged at the net... It's the popping sound that the hard ball against the paddle makes you know, that causes a, a great deal of distraction for uh, people that are close to the courts. Willis says that sound can tear neighborhoods apart. It is kind of sad to watch in some situations because it, it really, I have seen it divide communities right down the middle. Five, six, one. At Gershwin Park in San Diego, a regular group of pickleball players are trying to find common ground with neighbors to avoid that kind of division. Bob Scheibel lives in the neighborhood and plays pickleball most mornings. We try to be as, as respectful as possible. Beyond that, I don't, I don't know that there's an easy solution. Scheibel says the long-term answer may be found in embracing the sport's exploding popularity. As the city develops more public courts, uh, it will lessen the impact on individual neighborhoods like this one. Yeah. He says more places to serve, slice, and dink means spreading out the noise and hopefully keeping pickleball on the playing courts and not in the court of law. For The California Report, I'm Scott Robb. Support for The California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Friday, September 8th, where a production of KQED Public Radio. 
Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Izzy Bloom and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Let's take a look at today's local news. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, also known as FEMA, has included Nevada County among their list of counties eligible for assistance with disaster-damaged wells and septic systems. Residents who lost access to water through their private wells or had damage to their septic systems caused by the severe winter storms between February 21st and July 10th this year could qualify for financial assistance under FEMA's Individuals and Households Program. Residents may also receive assistance for the actual repair or replacement cost of damaged wells and septic systems, something not typically covered by homeowners insurance. If you've applied for FEMA assistance and haven't had a home inspection, you should call the FEMA helpline at 800-621-3362. At the time of your inspection, let the FEMA inspector know you have a private well or septic system that may have been damaged by the storm. If you've already had an inspection and the damage to the well or septic system wasn't reported, contact the FEMA helpline to receive instructions about how to amend your application. Once again, that number is 800-621-3362. The number of reported scam attempts targeting Pacific Gas and Electric Company customers has risen by an alarming rate. In a recent press release, PG&E says scam attempts have tripled compared to this time last year. The utility company says, unlike scammers, they'll never ask for your financial information over the phone or email nor will they request payment from prepaid debit cards or money transfers. The release continues, A typical sign of scams includes a caller claiming to be from PG&E and threatening disconnection if immediate payment is not made via a prepaid debit card, digital payment apps, or other methods of money transfer. In addition, PG&E will never send a single notification to a customer within one hour of a service interruption and will never ask customers to make payments using gift cards, any form of cryptocurrency, or mobile apps like Zelle or Venmo. PG&E says during the first seven months of 2023, reports of scams targeting their customers increased nearly 200% compared to last year. The utility company also says during that same time window, there have been over 29,000 scam attempts reported by customers, and PG&E customers have been scammed out of over half a million dollars in 2023 alone. Learn more about predatory scams or report potential scams at pgne.com scams. Now let's take a look at your weekend forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, Tonight, clear with a low around 58 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 84. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 58 degrees. Sunday, sunny with a high near 85. Sunday night will be clear with a low around 58 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear with a low around 42 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 74. 
Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 42 degrees. Sunday, sunny with a high near 74. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 44 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 58 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 90. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 58 degrees. Sunday, sunny with a high near 92. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 60 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. It seems like coverage of Burning Man quickly turning into a disastrous quagmire was everywhere you turned last week. KVMR's Felton Pruitt sat down with a veteran festival goer to hear a different perspective on the unusual weather, the conditions it created, and the response from attendees that didn't make headlines. That's coming up next. We're talking with Susie Davis. She's a longtime member of Those Darn Accordions. She's been out on tour with Mick Jagger, Prince, Billy Idol, and a bunch of other folks. And your father is legendary K-San disc jockey Norman Davis. But most importantly, Susie, you just got back from Burning Man. I think it was a couple days ago because I called you and you said you're out in your yard washing mud off of everything. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And uh, Me and 70,000 other burners. Let's talk about your experience at Burning Man. First, you just got back from there. I'm assuming you went with a, a group that you usually go with. Yes, yeah. I'm part of a camp called Black Rock Tea Company. We serve tea in many various forms, and I am a human karaoke machine, and we invite people to come up on stage and pick a song out of my songbook. I have about 350 songs in there, and then I pound them out on this old funky out-of-tune piano, and they sing, and, and it's a lot of fun, and sometimes it's good art, and a lot of times it's a little bit more like performance art, but it's all about radical self-expression. <laughs> well, now you say a piano. You're not like pushing a baby grand around in the mud, are you? Well, yes, we are. The storage container that has all of the, all of our structure that we put up every year, and we have a piano in there, <laughs> and it's still playable. This year, Burning Man went from August 27th through September 4th. When did you get there? I got there on Thursday. Before it opens, it opens on uh, Sunday at midnight. So I arrived early to participate in the build. And how many years have you been doing Burning Man? This would be my seventh. I did the virtual burn in, in 2020. Let's talk about the fun you had there before we talk about the experience with the rain and the mud. How much? Yeah. How much fun was it? Well, for me, being there is just all about uh, being witness to the miracle of human creativity. When you see these fantastic giant art sculptures and also the mutant vehicles, which this year just kept blowing my mind. You'd see a a giant dragon whose wings unfold that somebody engineered that can take people around on Playa. And it's just, it's just amazing. You know, people think of these things and then with will and tenacity and ingenuity, they make them manifest. And so it's, that's the aspect of Burning Man that to me is the, the most incredible. 
and keeps me coming back because it's I, I'm just wowed about humanity and what we're capable of creating if we want to. <laughs> so how large a group was your big pack, your camp there? Oh, it's about 28 people or something like that. So talk about what you pack in and bring in. Oh, my gosh. Well, lots of silly clothes. The sillier, the better. I brought a lot of uh, non-perishable food because I didn't want to be bothered with cooking. <laughs> so I had a lot of food out of cans and bags. Next year, I'll definitely be bringing some nice, strong rain boots and a rain poncho. <laughs> now, did you know about the weather forecast and the hurricane coming up from the south? Well, the tail of the hurricane hit before we got there. So the Monday before the, the burn opened, they had a couple days of torrential rain, and it turned the ply into a lake, and work just stopped on all of the art installations and uh, infrastructure that was going up. People just basically sat in their trailers and read books for about 36 hours. And But uh, once the sun comes out, the mud dries quickly. So by the time I got there on Thursday... It was uh, it was drivable. It was fun. We're talking with Susie Davis, a Bay Area musician who got back from Burning Man this week. Talk about some of the experiences getting through Burning Man this year that were different than all the others with the rain and the mud. Yeah. So, yes, we on Friday of the burn, well, uh, leading up to Friday, we we follow the weather reports pretty closely. And we, we knew that there was some wind coming in. So... I believe it was Tuesday night. We were out there uh, riding around. I mean, my favorite thing to do is to ride around the open playa and look at the art and really experience the art, really walk up to it and touch it and dig down into it because um, there's a real tendency to, you know, ride by a piece and go, oh, that's that. And then you ride on. But often if you stop and get up really close, you're like, oh, (laughs) it's different than how I perceived it. So as far as weather, you know, uh, there were a couple uh, wind storms came in and created whiteouts, which are always quite interesting if you're out on the open playa, because all of the lights disappear. And you can't really tell what direction you're going until the dust sort of settles and then you can see the man because the man is facing 6 and 12 streets and his arms are facing 3 and 9 and so you can usually figure out how to get home <laughs> if you can see the man. And then Friday we knew rain was coming. It started raining about 3 p.m. on Friday and people started taking shelter in our tea company bar. And um, I was just like, I'm doing my set, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and keep people's spirits up. And so I did my human karaoke thing. People came up to sing. And over the course of two hours, the entire floor of our, of our infrastructure just turned into a pigsty. Because <laughs> <laughs> wherever people walked, it like pushed the water into the mud. And then you had mud that was like, you know, four inches deep. And yeah, and, and the mud is very sticky it's like a clay so you get some on your shoes and then it just attracts more and more and more until each shoe weighs about 10 pounds so walking in it is quite challenging but the most amazing part of this whole rainstorm was just watching the resiliency of the people there and you know it's a great life skill to have things happen that you don't want to happen and then you just go okay this happened 
I'm going to deal with it. And that is what the vast majority of people did out there. Spirit stayed really high. It was sort of, um, it, it was just kind of wonderful because everywhere I went, people were laughing, cracking jokes, standing around in the mud, walking around in the mud, looking at the art. And um, it was just a joy to stop and talk with people and really feel this, uh, this resiliency of spirit of like, we can't change this. We're just going to accept it and make the best out of it. It just made me love this community even more. It's a remarkable community of people. Now, there were some people who freaked out and were like, no, I got to get out of here. And um, they created a huge mess for themselves because people started driving out on Friday, even though, you know, there's a radio station out there that just kept telling people the roads are closed. Don't drive out. You'll get stuck. And people just did it. You know, there was a lot of human hubris. It's like, no, my are greater than anything else. And so by Saturday midday, there were about 300 cars that were just stuck in the mud outside the city. And those people had to deal with their situation on their own because all of the emergency support for Black Rock City needed to be focused on the people in the city, you know. So I felt bad for them, but also they sort of created a worse situation for themselves by going that route. Do you think that most people, after, you know, plinking back on this a couple months, will look back and go, that was the best Burning Man ever because Mother Nature challenged us to reach our peak? You know, it's kind of been my best burn ever. (laughs) Just because of witnessing what the community did, how so many people reached out and looked out for their neighbors. And if people were intense and their stuff got wet, I've heard lots of accounts of people who had RVs or trailers inviting them to sleep with them. I was stranded one night and had to stay in my friend's trailer. I couldn't get back to my camp, you know, and uh, just seeing that uh, generosity of spirit and that, you know, that civic responsibility was just uh, super touching. Yeah, it it was fantastic. (laughs) Yes, it was inconvenient. Yes, it was kind of gross and muddy. Yes, the porta potties were just like, eh, because the mud just built up on the floor of the porta potty. But overall, it was it was a pretty great experience. So the most important question now is, will you go back next year? Um, I there's a very good chance I'll go back next year. I'm already working on my songbook. You know, people requested songs that I didn't have in my book, and I want to make sure I have songs for from for every generation in every genre. So I'm definitely thinking about it and uh, I'll probably make that final decision around April next year. (laughs) Yeah. And if I had one last observation, it would be that this was a great lesson in how the media just plays up the negative aspects of any situation because the media coverage use all these terms like stranded, flooding, death. There was a person who died. He fell over and died. and Nobody knows why. It had nothing to do with the flooding or the weather. But that was all you read about. You didn't read. Oh, and um, rationing. You just you didn't read about what was really happening there and really what brings people together to be there. So just a great lesson in the media and how it tends to portray things. That's Susie Davis. Bay Area musician. Thank you for your perspective, Susie. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. That's our newscast for this Friday, September 8th. 
Listen to anything you may have missed on our website, kvmr.org, and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com And Green Acres Nursery and Supply, offering garden tips when planning fall gardens. Check irrigation, amend soil with organics, and start seeds. Garden gurus are on hand at each location. IDigGreenAcres.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.